0: Hey, this is Mitch Rose. I'm the lead pastor of City Hills Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope this message encourages you, it inspires you, it challenges you to live your best life. Take a listen. Here's this week's message. We're moving to a school, and uh, and it's going to be loud in there, and I like it. It's one of the things I love about uh, changing this location is it's loud in there. If you don't like loud church, you're going to hate heaven. I, I feel bad for you. I hope you get used to it because you've got eternity there, you know. I hope you get... Used to it, but it's loud. There's waterfalls and there's rivers and and all kind of stuff. I, I really hope uh, you get accustomed to it. There's choirs. Come on, everybody! <laughs> there's just angels everywhere. A lot of people, and um, so I like loud church. And I, I, that, I want you to get used to hearing your own voice. Amen. So try it one more time. Everybody, shout, Amen, Amen. amen. All right. Don't miss a single week uh, of 21 days of prayer and. Um, and, and let me let me catch you up if you haven't been here for the last two weeks. We're in week three of a four-week series. I'll finish it up next week on a series called Planted and Flourishing. Open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians. If you have a Bible, I hope you brought a copy of God's Word with you, either digitally or, uh, or a copy of God's Word. We're preaching a series about how to thrive in a season of survival. It feels like everything we've done the past 18 months, honestly, is just getting by, just surviving, just trying, just... And the world seems upside down. I mean, every time you listen to the news, turn the news on, uh, 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 surf over somewhere, you hear some other crazy story. Uh, I just, Brandy sent me something the other day that the murder hornets are back, and that's great, great news to hear, and I don't even know what those are, but uh, they're back, and uh, 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 nations are, are going crazy, New Ze- the nation of New Zealand, 30 million people on two islands, they have one case of COVID on the, in, in the entire nation. 30 million humans, one case of COVID. They're in a complete lockdown. Churches can't meet again. It's just the world's upside down right now, everybody. And I want you to know how to thrive and not just survive in this season. Amen, everybody? I want you to know how to thrive and not just survive. First Corinthians 12. I'm going to skip around to three different verses, but all in 1 Corinthians 12. The Bible says it like this in verse 12. Just as a body... Your body, your physical body, is one, like there's only one of you. And if you hear two people in your head, you may want to talk to me about a, a therapy recommendation. That's, there's a diagnosis for that, all right? There's just one of you. There's one, one of you, but you have many parts, all right? And all of those many parts form one body, Paul's right. He's, he's painting this picture here of a physical body. I want you to see there's a hand and there's a head and there's legs and feet, and there's, but all of it's still one body. I mean they have separate functions. Everything has its own thing, but it's one body. And he said, "So it is. I'm going to paint you a word picture with Christ. Skip down to verse 18. But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body. Now he's not talking just about your physical body. He's talking about the body of Christ. And he said, God put it right where I wanted it to be. Every one of them just where he wanted them to be. Let me pause here and tell you. Nothing in your life, including you being in church today, is by accident. You were created with a design in person. This is supposed to be your church family. Can I get a better Amen. If the devil tells you no, you tell him, no, 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 God put me here. Everything he did, he put right where he wanted them to be. I skip down one more time, verse 27, near the end of the chapter. Now you are the body of Christ. And each one of you has a part to play. You got a part of the body. God says in this passage, he said, listen, I I want you to know That even though you're individuals and even though you have individual talents and callings and giftings and things that uh, experiences you bring uh, with you uh, i want you to know how incredibly important you are i want you to know it's incredibly important that you play the part that i've called you to play cuz i've got something for you to do and a world for you to reach and i've entrusted you with something po- point at yourself po- just poke yourself right in the chest there's a there's a move in the just keep poking i didn't say stop poking there's a move in the world to point your finger at everybody else. It's your fault. I feel this way. You did this to me. You're the oppressor. Matter of fact, there's a demonic uh, I'll go I hadn't preached about this. I think I'll go ahead and attack this right now. There's a demonic force right now on the in the world called called critical theory that says somebody else is to blame for my problems it's demonic by the way none of that's God put you right where you are created you just like you are gave you unique gifts and if there's something wrong in my life I got to look internally and say tell me that it's me I let me fix me can I get a better amen let me fix me it's I, I've got a part to play here the Bible says he's he needs you to fill the role that he's called you to fill I grew up in church, and I grew up in a really churchy church, and I'm thankful for my heritage, but I remember a a few church services, and one, I distinctly remember the preacher was angry. I don't know why all of my preachers were mad. I probably needed that. Uh, I, I was I needed somebody to yell at me and, and, and just about cuss at me. But uh, anyway, and, and and I remember him pointing his finger at me, Mike, and or at least I felt like it was me. Maybe just everybody, and he said, "If you don't if you don't do what God's called you to do, then God will find someone else who will." And and I know and I know now the sentiment. I, I know I know what he means. But let, let me be honest with you. Look at me. If you don't do what God's called you to do, nobody else can do it because God's called you to do it. Let me say it like this, like Paul would say, you can cut your hand off and sew your foot up there, but it don't work the same. You understand what I'm telling you? You got a part to play that God designed only for you to play in the body of Christ. And if you don't do it, it don't happen. There's something that God has for you in this world. I want you to grasp this big concept. There's an idea. There's a, there's a calling. There's a something. There's a life to be changed. There's a, there's a role to play. There's something that God's called you to do. And if you don't do it, it goes undone in the world. God has a calling on your life, and it doesn't just happen on this stage. I know it's easy to look up here, and I'm thankful for Brody. I'm thankful for the team. Come on, aren't you thankful for our worship team, everybody? These are amazing talented artists and you need to be a part of it by the way if, if, if you've got talent don't sit out there and if you're a worship leader or a musician get on the team but but i'm telling you this is not all the, the the calling that there is we need what happens here but i need you to do what god's called you to do as well it's not just a few people it's not just a few singers it's not just well it's not just the preachers it's not just it's every part of the body doing what it's called to do you could be called to just bring people and invite people you know that God's given you that gift just so you'll bring people to church that could be the calling on your life I met people there are people in this church who have won countless people to God just because they're able to connect and and move and invite and I get clammy and I don't know what to say but man every time they they meet a new person. I've met dozens and dozens of families because they bring people, and there are people in this church who set up and take down everything. By the way, in our new facility, guess what they're going to do? Set up and take down absolutely everything. You say, "Well, that sounds monotonous. That doesn't sound fun." No, no, no. There are people who are called. That's what God's gifted them to do. They know how things work. You say, "Pastor, I'm not good meeting people. I'm not good at the front door, but I'm kind of I'm country strong." Come on, everybody. You know what I'm saying? I can I can move some. I can do something. Hey, you're the kind of person we need. Are you with me, everybody? There are people in the parking lot that wave at people and say hello. There are people that make coffee this morning. There are people right now holding babies and singing to them and teaching them Jesus loves them. That's a calling from God, and you're important to the body of Christ. Can I get a better amen? Everybody, you're important. You're important. You're called by God. I don't want you to think what I, don't ever think I'm just this. I'm just a greeter here. I, 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 All I can really do is teach children. All I really know how to do is hold babies. All I'm really good at is making coffee. This morning, I'm telling you, there's a member of our dream team who is amazing. She has the gift of hospitality. She's amazing at it. And we have an area for our dream team called Dream Team Central where you can go in the mornings and we feed you. Come on. That's enough reason to serve every week, everybody. We feed and they do a great and when you walk back there it's an amazing time. Why? Cuz she's walking in her gift. You don't think God just gifted her to be a nurturer so she could raise children. She raised godly children in this church. That's not the only reason God gifted her. God gifted her for that so she could serve God's house and serve you and serve people and there's a calling on her life and it's important say amen to that. Galatians 1:15 says it like this, God in his grace chose me. Everybody shout me. me. Shout me. God in his grace chose you even before you were born. And, and he didn't just choose you like, man, you're special and I want you to get saved and I don't want you to go to hell. And that's important. All that's true. God said, I, 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 in his grace, I chose you and I, I called you before you were born, but I called you to do something. He called me to serve him. He called me to do something with my life. God made only you to be you, but he didn't make you just for you. That's better preaching. That's confusing. I preach in riddles. You're going to have to understand the parable that I'm with. God chose you and only you, but he didn't choose you just for you. It's not just about what I can do and me not going to hell. and Well, God, you saved me. I'm on my way to heaven. That's awesome. Now get on mission. I gave you something to do to serve God. I gave you something to do to serve God. You're a masterpiece from the Creator. But God gave you purpose and intent, not just to take up space and suck oxygen. (laughs) Jesus didn't just save you so that you could live an abundant life here. Jesus saved you so you could make a difference with your life. So your life had calling and purpose. I'm going to read you a story from the book of Mark today. Jesus is in his adopted hometown of Capernaum. Jesus is from Nazareth, and you know that if you talk about Jesus, we often refer to him as Jesus of Nazareth, and that is that is the town that he was raised in. This is the town uh, that his mom and dad were from, but as he walked into his public ministry at some point, uh, it, probably in his 20s, but especially in his 30s as he walked into his public ministry, he adopted Capernaum as his hometown. I don't blame him. Nazareth is a small little town. Had about 800 people in it when Jesus was uh, raised there. It's a small little southern town in southern Israel. Capernaum is on the beach. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about with a beach town? You adopt. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I have adopted La Jolla, California as my hometown. They don't know it, but I'm from there. I tell everybody that's my hometown. And I, I when I get there, I feel like I'm at home. And Jesus felt like that in Capernaum. And so he had built quite a following. He has friends there. He has acquaintances there. He has disciples there. And uh, there is a day he goes back to Capernaum and is holding a service. And I want to drop in on that service in Mark, the second chapter. Mark 2 and 1 says, a few days later, Jesus again had gone back to Capernaum. And the people had heard that he had come home. See what I mean? It wasn't home, but he had adopted it as his hometown And they gathered, verse 2, in such large numbers. Let me pause here. Look at me in the eyes. I preached this to you last week. If you didn't catch it, you need to go to YouTube and watch that. But just so you know, churches weren't ever meant to be small. As long as heaven and hell are realities, we got to grow large. Can I get a better amen? So Jesus is in a large mega church. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left. I can't wait for the day. That the best problem we're going to have here is when there's just no room left. What do we do now? Where do we put people now? And there's no room. Even outside the door, there, there were people lined up in the courtyard, people everywhere, and he preached the word to them. Church was hopping on this day in Capernaum. Jesus was crazy popular here. I mean, this was his adopted hometown. There are so many people who love him. You couldn't find a seat in church. You, you couldn't. Some of y'all couldn't have made it because you actually had to get there before the first song. Believe it or not, we actually sing three You've only ever heard one, but you'll love the other two if you were to get here early enough. They're great. That's for free. And so people are everywhere. Babies are everywhere. Come on, everybody. The nursery's full. All the classrooms are full, everybody. There was nowhere to park your donkey or your chariot. I mean, it was packed, all right? Are you following me, everybody? Everybody's there. And verse 3, keep going. Verse 3, some men came. Some men came, and they bring him a paralyzed man Carried by four of them. Now, there's a misconception that there's only four friends. There's only four people who carried the paralyzed man. But the Bible says some men came. I think there's actually a bigger crowd than four. I think this guy actually had a whole lot more friends. I just think they picked four of the strong country boys, you know what I mean, to lift him up. That's what I think. And so, and so uh, there, there's a, there's a friend who is... Paralyzed. We don't know anything about how. We don't know if, if he was paralyzed from birth. We, we don't know if somebody, if he had an accident. We don't know how he's hurt but he's hurt. Follow the story now. So he had these, these friends, and, and when you had a hurt friend in Capernaum, they got together and they said, I, I don't know how we can help him. We've, we've started a GoFundMe page. We've done everything else we know how to. We put him on a food rotation, everybody. But honestly, he needs something bigger than what we can do. Oh, I feel like preaching now. There has to come a time in your life when you realize you're not called to fix people, but you are called to bring people to the one who can fix them. God didn't give you the gifts he gave you so that you could fix everybody. God doesn't require you to fix anybody. God's not asking you to heal anybody. God just asks you that you bring people to the only one who can fix and heal and put back together. and That's God's calling on your life. And, 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 and maybe you know what this is like. If you come to me and say, Pastor, I, I, something's wrong with my car. Now listen, I can pray for your car, and we will. We'll say, God, make it start. But after that, that's about all I got. I'm gonna refer you to my favorite mechanic in town. Are you with me, everybody? I just I got two hands, but neither one of them are handy. All right, I don't know what I'm doing. I can put gas in it most days. I know how to fill my truck up with gas. That's about the extent of it. Everything else, I know a guy. Are you with me, everybody? If something goes wrong in the house, Brandy knows. If something goes wrong, I mean, my first inclination is, oh, I'll go look at it. Oh yeah, I'll, oh oh I'll, oh, I'll go look at it. But while I'm looking, I'm thinking, who am I calling? Because when I get to this AC unit, I don't know what I'm I'm doing. I'm going to beat on it. I'm going to knock around on it. I'm going to do something. But I don't have a clue what I'm doing. Are you with me, everybody? I'm going to call the person who does know what they're doing. And I pray. Listen to me. My biggest prayer for you church family is that God gives you eyes to see that you're not just bringing people to a church service. You're bringing people to Jesus. You're not just bringing people to a church family. You're bringing people to the only one who can give them hope and heal their bodies and heal their minds and lift them up and raise them up. I don't know how to help you. I don't really know what you need, but I know the one who can help you and I know the one who healed me. And if he did it for me, he can do it for you. Verse 4, so they couldn't get him to Jesus because church was so big. <laughs> they couldn't, couldn't get him there because of the crowd. So they made an opening in the roof. Now, there, there's a lot that goes on here that you just have to read between the lines. I mean, making an opening in the roof doesn't sound easy. I'll be frank with you. <laughs> they made an opening in the roof above Jesus, by digging through it, obviously this is a thatch roof. Obviously this isn't made out of mater- probably porous materials, but they're able to dig a hole that the whole roof doesn't collapse. And then they lowered the mat that the man was laying on. I, I love how these friends, these four guys, are carrying him. and and they realize this is a person who desperately needs Jesus. We can't help him. We've done all we can, but Jesus could do more, and God's given us some gifts, and here's something crazy and silly. I don't know what to do, but let's get on top of the roof. Could you imagine all the church people looking around thinking, y'all get distracted when a baby sits on the back row. Imagine if somebody is rappelling from the top of the ceiling here. Are you with me, everybody? Like, what's everybody thinking? What are these crazy people doing? I got a security team right now. There's a big country man right off of this stage right here. Do not try me today. Okay. He's with me everywhere I go. You know, Jesus had, had I mean, there's some pe- there's some rough Galileans around him. All right. On the security team with little things in their ears talking about there's some, some fools coming on the roof. There's some, there's some brothers scaling upside the wall right there. What What's happening inside the wall? Somebody's on top of the roof right now. Somebody send Kevin out, see what's on top of the roof here they come out to the the side. Now listen, I don't know what happens. Again, there's a whole lot of reading between the lines. Here's what I think happens. Here's what I think. I think people are thinking, this is crazy. This is the craziest thing I've ever seen. Look into my eyes, everybody in the room. Look at me. There's some people who don't understand this church. And you think, this is crazy. You mean a church starts in an elementary school? I thought churches were supposed to have buildings. And I thought churches were supposed to have stained glass. And I thought it was supposed to be quiet and reserved. And You're telling me a church is in a movie theater? That's the craziest thing I've. More than that, you're telling me hundreds of people go to that movie theater and have church? You're telling me hundreds of people have gotten saved? Over 500 people have filled a card out since we... Just people who've told us they've gotten saved since we started this church. You're telling me 300-plus believers have been water baptized outside in the freezing cold in a portable tank. This is that's the craziest thing. You're telling me, Mike, people work 60 hours a week at their regular job and come to church at 6 a.m. on Sunday morning just so they can help set up a portable church in a, in a hotel ballroom. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. You're telling me after five years you're going to go back to a school and have church. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. I can't believe this church church. church is doing that listen to me I want to give you some insider behind the curtain look it may seem crazy to everybody else all I know is this Jesus is here and if people can get where Jesus is anything can happen if people can get close to Jesus we'll do anything we can to bring people close to Jesus crazy as it sounds tearing a hole in the ceiling that keeps people away from Jesus Tearing a hole in a community. I'm going to go ahead and bust something else up. Y'all ready for this? I just feel wow, It's my last day. What are y'all going to do? Fire me? We're going to a community that has an exclusivity to it. I moved there six years ago. Sometimes you feel like an outsider. You ever moved to a suburb and feel like everybody's looking at you when you walk through H-E-B? No, some of y'all don't because y'all from here. (laughs) All the rest of us feel that way. Where'd y'all come from? Y'all come from Dallas? Donna, why are you, why you, why you in our town? Get out of our town. Close the door when you come. Y'all are welcome, but close the gate behind you. Oh, y'all thought I wasn't going to preach it like it. Bernie, Texas, gone forever. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm going to tear a roof into that. You ready? I'm going to tear a hole right in the middle of that, us four and no more. And in Jesus' name, we're going to be the church that everybody comes to. Everybody's available. It doesn't matter what you vote. doesn't matter what color you are, where you come from, how you got here, what race you are, what culture you are. It doesn't matter what sin you've got, where you've been, or how long you've been here. There's room for you with Jesus. I'm going to tear a hole right in that exclusivity and just lower people down where Jesus is. <laughs> I'm going to tear a hole right into racism where people think, ooh, they don't look like us. Yeah, they're welcome here. We'll tear a hole right in the middle of it. Just lower people down. You're, you you, can come here. You're, you're welcome here. Oh, they don't, oh, oh, they don't, I don't think they go to school out here. No, they don't. They come from the east side. They drive all the way over here. But I'm going to tear a hole into all of that exclusivity and lower people down and say, you can come here because Jesus is here. Amen. If I were you and this was my church, I'd have amen louder than that. I'm, I'm just, they just, every time, just tearing the hole in there. I want you to be the kind of people that get creative in this season. I think God's leading us into a season of miracles. But I also, I've told you this, I'm warning you about what I see on the outside world. It may get harder before Jesus comes back. We're gonna to have to get crazy and creative about tearing holes in places. We're gonna to have to tear down stru- structures and systems that keep people out. We're gonna to have to tear down preconceptions about what it means to be a spirit-filled church, and we're gonna tear a hole. But we're gonna do whatever we have to do to get people in the presence of Jesus. And I can see these brothers. I can see these four guys. Some of them think I don't know. I can't do much, but I'm strong. I can maybe one of them is a carpenter. Maybe one of them says, "Hey, I got some tools. I- I- I'll go. I- I'll cut the hole. I-, I got the saw. I know how to do that." maybe one of them says, I don't know how to cut the hole, but I'm strong. You can put him on my back, and I'll carry him while you go cut the hole. Maybe another one said, hey, I got the ladder. I'll come. I'll do that. Maybe the other one said, I've got some resource. I don't know how to do it, but I'll fund you guys going down there and take this trip. I don't know what it is that you can do, but everybody has a part to play in bringing people to Jesus. Everybody has a part to play. And they rip the roof off. Jesus is able. To heal. Listen to me. If you'll create the opening. God to create the opportunity. If you'll create the opening. That's what I'm calling you to in this season. Come on church family. Come on. If you're, if you're new here and you think. Man I don't know what this church is all about. I'll tell you. It's about bringing people to Jesus. That's what it's about. It's about helping people discover the life giving message of Jesus. That there's hope and salvation and healing. And you haven't gone too far and done too much. That everybody's welcome. At the feet of Jesus Verse 5 Jesus sees their faith This man's now floating I I love this I don't know what he's doing He's coming halfway I mean this has to stop the message right? Aaron this has to stop. I mean at some point you go, I can't go on. Just get him all the way down there. Come on, just lower him all the way down and everybody goes to take a potty break and you know, let me let me see what this is all about. This is crazy. Kevin comes running from behind and to make sure they're not terrorists or whatever. <laughs> what are you what are you doing here and what, what what's going on and and then and Jesus sees their faith. And he walks up in the middle of them. He walks to the paralyzed man and he says, "Son, your sins are forgiven." By the way, Jesus' number one mission isn't to heal your body. It's to heal your soul. It's to save you. You you can get to heaven with a broken leg. You can't get to heaven with a broken soul. You, You may limp your way into heaven, but you can be whole on the inside. Son, your sins are forgiven. So he said to the man, verse 10, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. So he got up, took his mat. (laughs) By the way, if you want to know the vision of our church, it's I I see it everywhere. I told you I do. I I preached this to you a couple of weeks. I see it everywhere. The first thing he did was forgive his sins. That's because you got to know God. That's the first thing you got to do. Then Jesus heals what's wrong with him. You got to settle your yesterdays, and then he takes up his mat. You got you to gotta collect, the reason why I want you to come to a freedom group this fall, the reason why we're launching more freedom groups than we ever have in the history of our church is because people need to roll up that mat that you've been laying on, that thing that's had you paralyzed and down. You need to roll that up and take it home and say, I don't need this thing anymore. I don't, I, I'm, not, I'm not living this way anymore. I don't have to do this anymore. That was for free. See, I see it everywhere. And he says, in the full, full, full view of everybody, and, and they're amazed, and everyone praised God. This amazed everyone. They praised God, and they said, we've never seen anything like this. Four men decided, I am not going to sit here while he suffers there. And my calling to you in this new season, as we step into a new season, and I'm telling you, I know it just seems like a venue location change. I know it just seems like we're just changing places we have church but we're not I really feel like in the supernaturally spiritually I think we're walking into a new season and I'm asking you not to sit while the world suffers don't sit back and do nothing while your friends are going to hell don't sit back and don't get involved while you have neighbors whose marriages are falling apart don't sit back while on the job, in your office. There are people who need hope and people who've been addicted for a very long time who need freedom and people who've been hurt and people who need a life giving. Don't just sit back. Listen, I want you to do something with what you've got. I want you to use everything you've got to bring people to Jesus. And when you do, three things happen. I knew you were waiting on three things, so I had to give them to you. I only do this for you. I don't do it for me. I do it because you like to have three things. Here's the first, write this down if you're taking notes. If you're not, why would you not take notes? Number 1. When you when you bring people to when you use your talents, when you play your part, when you serve others unselfishly, number 1, it will create joy in your life. It will create joy in your life. Most people are looking for happiness in all the wrong places. Possessions, passions, pleasures, popularity. Guess what? Here's a here's, here's dirty secret the devil doesn't tell you that joy is not in status. Joy is in service. Let me say it again, joy does not come from status or salary or sex, it comes from service. It comes from what permanent, ongoing joy in your life comes from using what God gave you to bring other people to Jesus. That is the calling of your life. And if you'll do it, if you'll get the secret sauce to joy. I'm, I'm not a psychologist, but I play one on Sundays. The secret sauce to joy. God hardwired you. If you'll get the focus off of you and on others, you'll have joy. I'm just telling you, you, you you can put down all the self help books. I'm just I'm I'm gonna give you the the punchline at the very end of all of them is this: If you'll quit thinking about you and start focusing on others, how can I help bring them? What can I do? What's the creative thing I can do? What's the calling I have? What's the part I'm supposed to play? If you'll do that, God hardwired you for joy. There's there's it's not by accident that the word miser, stingy self-centered and the word miserable come from the same word. <laughs> every self-centered person I know is miserable. Yeah. Every self every person and I know this is a culture obsessed with me 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 selfies and self-promotion and my stuff but I'm telling you the more you give your life away the more joy god puts inside of your heart. It's a bible principle. Philippians 2 and 17 says, my life, look at this, my life is being poured out. I'm serving as part of the sacrifice and service I offer to God for your faith. I'm pouring out my life. Yet, look at this, I'm filled with joy. (laughs) You know that you can't be filled with joy if you don't first pour out of your life. There's no room for God's joy on the inside of you if you hold everything on the inside. Here's what happens. Paul said, I do it like this. I pour my life out for you in my service to God. God fills me with joy. And guess what I do? I share that joy and pour it back out. And guess what happens? God pours back more joy inside my life. It will create joy in your life. If you lack joy, get on mission. Start serving. Get through the growth track. Get on a team. Serve people. Get on an outreach team. Bring people to Jesus. I'm telling you, it'll create joy in you. Shout amen to that, everybody. I got to hurry. Y'all preach too long. Come play. Number two, I like blaming y'all when I go too long. Number two. If you'll serve people, it'll improve your relationships. It'll improve all the relationships of your life. Things will get better. Self-centeredness is the root of all relationship problems. Let me say that again. Self-centeredness is the root of all relationship problems. And the more you practice unselfishness, the better the relationships in your life get. I'm just telling you, it, it it happen. Everybody benefits. Romans 14 and 18 says, because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and it'll fix some relationship problems. You, you'll receive human approval. The more I bless others, the more blessing comes into my relationships. Proverbs 11.25 says, The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed, and those who help others are helped. I don't have time to preach it to you, but God hardwired you with that. I'm telling you that the issue you have, the struggle you have, if you use it as leverage to help others, God will help you. The cure for depression and loneliness and anger and anxiety and worry, and I'm, I'm telling you, it God hardwired your relationships to function best serve serve serving here's the last one. Here's the last one. it'll make your life meaningful. It'll make your life count And honestly it's it's the heartbeat of our house that you make your life count that your life matters. We say it like this that God's called you to know God not just know about God but know him meet him personally somebody would tear a hole in the roof so that you could get down into the presence of Jesus and know God and then and then when you when you get in his presence and and he forgives you of your sins that's not enough you're still lame so i want you to find freedom Jesus heals this man he says take up your mat and i want you to go home i didn't preach this to you but most paralyzed people, most people in this uh, day and age that are disabled are, are homeless. They live on the street. Their family has already rejected them. Matter of fact, there's some parts of the East still today, if a child is born with a malady or, or, or you know, there, there's something, a disability wrong with them, they'll, they'll literally abandon them. We support an orphanage in Manila and the Philippines full of children who have disabilities born and their parents literally abandon them. This man probably lived on the street. So why did Jesus say go home? Because if you know God and you get healed and find freedom, you heal all that yesterday stuff, God will redeem your past and give you purpose. He said, I want you to go back to mom and dad. I still got some redemption there. I got purpose for you back there. And then the Bible said, everybody is amazed and praised God. In other words, his testimony changed the rest of the crowd. Jesus didn't have to preach anymore. Look at me. People start getting up who are paralyzed at City Hills. I don't have to preach a whole lot more serious. They'll just, they're more sick people that'll show up. Why why are we in a church that believes in miracles? Because I just know this. If miracles happen here, you'll bring friends and family and coworkers and neighbors and people that need. Word will spread around. Jesus is in the house. Jesus is healing marriages. I, I remember that guy. He was an alcoholic and now he's not. Jesus delivered him. I remember that marriage was falling apart. He told me in the office, I think she's moving out. I think it's over with. And God restored their marriage. Jesus is there. Your life gets meaningful. Your life gets meaningful. It doesn't come from money. It doesn't come from places. It doesn't come from status. It comes from service. Mark eight thirty-five. Jesus said, go ahead and try to hang on to your life. You'll lose it. But if you'll voluntarily play the part that you have to play, give up your life for my sake and the sake of the gospel, man, you'll find meaning. You'll find meaning. Meaning comes when you give your life away. Sometimes you don't move forward because you don't think God knows where you're at. He knows where you're at. He he knows you're here today. He knows you're going to be in Fair Oaks next Sunday. He knew Samuel... Samuel could find David he, I, I know where he's at just go to Jesse's house I'll find him Elijah could find Elisha just go to the fields I know where he's at listen God knows right where you're at I know you don't feel qualified or able or I know you, you feel like man I'm, I'm just trying to get through this season no 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 Psalms 92 13 is the last thing I got to tell you I don't want you to just get through I want you to get planted In the house of the Lord so that you can flourish in the courts of our God. I want you to get planted. I want you to bring people. I want you to do your part. It does matter if you join a small group this fall. It matters. Matter of fact, it matters that you lead a small group this fall. It does matter that you choose to serve on the dream team and the outreach team and the missions team. It matters. It does matter that you give your tithing faithfully and consistently. It does matter that you give generously above your tithe. It does. It matters that you pray for God to bring the lost and hurting. It matters that you come to 21 days of prayer. It matters that you read your Bible every day. It matters. It matters that you bring people next Sunday. It matters that you invite people to our 20, our, our, our fifth, an- 20 years, my God, our fifth birthday. It matters. It matters. It matters. It Matters. It matters. You matter. You got calling on you, destiny, purpose. Don't settle for living for you. There are people who need Jesus, and those people need you. Lord Jesus. I thank you for an incredibly generous, giving, serving, loving, praying church. I thank you for a church family who doesn't live for us. Church isn't about me or about us. It's about others. It's about the lost. God, I pray for people right now. Come on, ask God this way. Matter of fact, open your hands and receive this. Ask God right now, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. Who is it that's close to me but far from you? Who is it that's close to me but far from God? Who is it that's paralyzed? Who is it that's that's lost, that needs Jesus, that needs healing and hope and restoration. They need salvation. They need their legs fixed. They need their heart fixed. They need need deliverance. Who is it, God? It's close to me, but far from you. God, I got a part to play. I'm going to bring them to Jesus, not just to my church, not just to meet my preacher, not not just to hear the music, but I got to bring them to Jesus. So I'll I'll use what you've given me. I'll use my time and lead a group this fall. I'll use my talent and I'll serve on the team. I'll use my treasure and I'll give generously. I'll use everything I've got. I'll leverage my whole life to bring people to Jesus. This world's wrapping up. Church is almost over. Service is almost ended. i got to get my friend down into the room where Jesus is. It's almost, it's almost over. i got to bring people to Jesus. God, let this be a church. Let this fall be a season where people experience Life giving, life changing message of Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And everyone shout Amen. Thank you for joining us today, and a special thanks to those of you who give generously to this ministry. You know, it's because of you that we're able not only to bring this message to you, but we're able to offer hope and life to the San Antonio Hill Country and beyond. So if you'd like to give today, you can visit City Hills TX